Welcome to Harvest Talk, the podcast of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. Harvest is a community church with a vision to change the world, and we do that by reaching people and building their lives. And uh, for more information on Harvest Community Church, please check out our website, hccgoshen.org. And I am Pastor Jeremy, and as always, it's an honor to be spending some time with you today. And I am particularly excited to be kicking off our legacy series here as part of Harvest Talk, just kind of as a reminder. Uh, the month of August, we are celebrating here at Harvest our 50th anniversary as a church. Harvest Community Church was founded as Zion Chapel in April of 1971, and so uh, we changed our name in 2011 to Harvest Community Church. Same church, two different names. Uh, and we decided due to COVID and a few other things that were going on back in April that we were not going to do our celebration then, and so we're doing our celebration in the month of August. Just as a reminder, if you're in the area, uh, we would love to have you the weekend of August uh, uh, six, uh, sorry, 7th and 8th. Uh, the 7th from, uh, I believe it's 4 to 7 o'clock, we're having a family reunion here at our building, and it's just going to be an awesome opportunity to celebrate what God has done. And then on August 8th, uh, during our Sunday morning services at 9 and 1045 a.m., we're going to be celebrating 50 years there as well. So if you can be a part of that, that would be awesome. And then there's other things we're doing throughout the month of August to, to celebrate uh, the legacy that Harvest has uh, over these last 50 years. And part of that celebration is this uh, uh, the next six weeks of our podcast. And what we're going to be doing in that time is speaking with, I'm going to take the first three weeks to speak with our founding pastor, Vic Hildebrand, and then three more weeks, I'm going to be doing an interview with uh, Pastor Steve Chupp, who was the second pastor. And uh, I've already met, already recorded it. Uh, both of them were more than an hour long. So we're breaking it up over three segments, each of those podcasts. And so that's kind of what we're doing. Before I jump into that, however, I wanted to give a small addendum to our most recent discussion on evangelicalism in the United States. And one thing that I mentioned, <coughs> excuse me, still fighting a little bit of a cold. Uh, one thing I mentioned is the, the difficulty. I cited a couple of surveys and polling data uh, for that discussion, and particularly one that was put out by the uh, Religious Census uh, Organization that mentioned that uh, more Christians are identifying as mainline Protestants instead of evangelical Protestants right now, particularly in the white population. And I mentioned in that in those podcasts the difficulty of measuring uh, religious fervor in the United States and, um, and just mentioned how the different polls were doing and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, actually, uh, right after I recorded my last podcast um, on July 12th, uh, this is by a publication called Religion Unplugged, and the author is a man by the name of Ryan Berg, uh, Berg I believe is how you say it. And the headline is, Why It's Unlikely U.S. Mainline Protestants Outnumber Evangelicals. And uh, for those of you that are watching online, there's the picture of it. Uh, again, it's Religion Unplugged, uh, Ryan Berg, July 12, 2021. This is an excellent analysis of how difficult the polling is. And uh, I mentioned that the polling for evangelical versus Protestant or those who identified themselves on a, on a um, survey was not yet tied to actual church attendance. And typically when we've recited the strength of those identifying as evangelicalism in the United States, we've done that because of church attendance among churches identifying as evangelicals versus churches identifying as mainland Protestant, uh, uh, African-American Protestant, or Catholic, um, or other 
And he goes into the details. And so if any point in time you were confused about that discussion and polling and all that kind of stuff, I'd highly recommend this article. And I just wanted to pass it along as an addendum uh, to that uh, discussion. So if you're curious, go look it up. And uh, it's, it's a great explanation of that. All right. Now, on to more fun things. Uh, our history here at Zion Chapel backslash Harvest. And so today I'm really excited to kick off my interview uh, with Vic Hildebrand. Vic Hildebrand was the founding pastor of Zion Chapel back in 1971. This originated out of a four-year prayer meeting experience uh, that he had when he was here as a Goshen College student um, studying, I believe, to become a teacher. And uh, and so today's, we're going to be kicking off, today's podcast, we're going to be kicking off with a little bit about the background of Vic's background, uh, who he was, how he ended up coming to Goshen, and as well as some of those initial um, prayer meetings and what was going on in those prayer meetings at the time. And so I'm going to turn it over uh, to our interview. Just a couple of things to let you guys know about. Um, I, there were some technical difficulties when we filming, um, so I'm hoping that the film is, is okay uh, to be broadcast. It probably isn't the same quality that we're used to here. If you're listening online, you won't notice a difference uh, if you're, you're doing an audio-only podcast. But for those of you that are following on the video, there's a chance that either the video quality isn't as good or you might not be getting any video at all. That's normal. Uh, it's due to some technical difficulties. Actually, uh, for both of these interviews, we ran into the same technical difficulties. Um, so I just want to let you know about that. But without further ado, here's my interview with Vic Hildebrand. All right. Well, we are kicking off um, our series called Legacy, looking back at 50 years of uh, what we've been doing here at Zion Chapel Combined Harvest in our history. And today I'm really excited to be with our founding pastor, Vic Hildebrand, who just a little over 50 years ago, actually, if you go back to your basement, 54 years ago, uh, this all started. And, right. uh, and so Vic, say hi to everybody real quick. Hey, it's great to uh, know that there are people that are planning to uh, watch and uh, I'm excited about talking about it. That's awesome. In fact, uh, the, the very idea as brought reminiscing into my soul and I've thought about a lot of things and there's so much to be thankful for you know it, it's almost like uh, uh, like at the end of the Wimbledon you win and you want to thank all the people right right yeah exactly <laughs> okay we're all just thank you don't want to forget people <laughs> that's good and the nice thing here is we don't have a clock to tell you to, to, to stop there we go there we go so, well uh, Vic I know this is actually part of the story I don't I'm not sure you've even ever told me but let's go all the way back to the beginning. Like, how did you come to faith in Christ? And then how did that, I don't even know if that happened here at Goshen, or how did that lead you to coming to Goshen? Because you're originally from Canada. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just tell me a little bit about that story. Yes. Uh, well, okay. I first of all want to thank God for that, because uh, my mother was the youngest in a family in Canada where her dad was the founding pastor in a pioneering community in Canada. So. Okay. Everything from breaking land and everything was just like pioneering wow. in every sense of the word. Wow. Grandpa was a was a godly man. He was also a farmer and a teacher and and so on. Uh, raised uh, a dozen kids, and of those, uh, numerous ones caught the vision of missions because Grandpa had somewhat of a missions vision. Wow. Uh, my mother, being the youngest in the family, by the time I came around, uh, it's it's not really a secret that I had literally. Uh, several dozen cousins mm -hmm. who were doing missions work in different parts of the world. Wow. wow. I thought that was normal. <laughs> and so uh, the idea of feeling a sense of call to missions 
didn't seem particularly unique to the people in our community. That's tremendous. Uh, so first of all, I want to give credit where credit is due there to, to grandpa and my mom and dad, um, church going people, love the Lord. Um, in Canada, they had come from Russia uh, out of the various uh, travelings of the Mennonite people. My particular group was the group that came from North Germany, Holland area, I went to to uh, uh, Russia for about 150 years, and then my dad actually managed to escape from Russia in 1926 with his yeah. family, uh, which was a huge deal because at that point in time, communism had already taken their, their land, taken everything, and I grew up having relatives in Siberia, Kazakhstan, that never did get out. Wow. So uh, that was part of it. Uh, they preached the gospel. Our church was pretty so strong in that. But in the Mennonite community, they didn't really encourage you to step forward until maybe you're 12 or 13 years old, mm -hmm. whatever. So I was actually 13, and some neighbors invited me to go with them to the city of Winnipeg, 20 miles away, which at that time was yeah, a bit of a trip, to a large auditorium, civic auditorium, 5,000 people, and an American fiery evangelist was preaching. Uh -huh. uh, I heard it, and I knew the gospel, and I knew that what he said was right. And he made an invitation, and a man named Harvey Craker, who I've forever am thankful for, was an usher up in the balcony where I was, tapped me on the shoulder and said, wouldn't you like to receive Christ today? And I said, yes. He says, look, I'll go with you. We'll go down. That's true. So we went down the steps. I'm in a city, 5,000 people that I didn't know yeah. go down there somewhere. But amazing thing happened. We prayed a sinner's prayer. And uh, Jeremy, I'm not lying. I never doubted my salvation from that time on. It was a clear experience. I knew what I was doing. That's tremendous. Called on the Lord and glory to God. Born That's again. Awesome. Uh, I was 13 at the time. And uh, a year later, I was at um, a place called Crystal Lake in Saskatchewan. In the summer, just on a Sunday, we went to a camp with some, uh, some of my relatives. And in that little camp that they had Sunday afternoon in a tent with a group of people. The leader was saying, well, so what do you think God has called you to do? And I was with two cousins my age and a bunch of other people I didn't know, and they all spoke about what they're going to do. Some are going to be farmers, truck drivers, whatever. Mm -hmm. It got to me. I was surprised. Out of my mouth came, I believe God's called me to preach. Wow. And I knew it was God. Yeah. I knew it was yeah. God, and I have not doubted that either from that time on. So I pursued uh, serving God in some fashion, decided to go into teaching because I thought that way I'd learn to speak in front of people. Sure. Um, I thought, you know, okay, if I'm going to be an evangelist or whatever, because evangelism and reaching people for Christ was really the, the passion in my heart. Right. And so I thought that's what I was going to be doing. Uh, but that was very, very real. And so... I finished teacher's college and did teaching in Canada for a couple of years, and I was about 22, and I said, you know what, it's time to launch out. I applied to a mission board to teach in Africa, because Africa was, I thought, where people were right. supposed to go. Exactly. To <laughs> yeah. And they said, for this work, um, you need a four-year degree, and what I had in Canada was not a full four-year degree. And so the question that you asked was, how'd you get to Goshen? Well, I actually went to Goshen because I had some friends and relatives who had been at Goshen, and I didn't know any schools, 
But I thought, you know what? If I'm going to go overseas the rest of my life, let's start somewhere where they speak English and where it's not too far away. Right. So I came to Goshen to finish my four-year degree with the idea in mind, I'm headed for Africa. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, as far as I was concerned, I left my family, left my country. With that pursuit in mind, I wanted to do the will of God. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And so I think what's so tremendous listening to all of this is... Uh, because I know you uh, to some degree, you know, one, you're a pioneer. I mean, you know, you, 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 you we're going to get into it in just a minute, but you pioneered a church. Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, you helped pioneer a couple of movements. You've pioneered several churches. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, we're going to get into the missions. And that was just, that was part of who you were from the moment you were yeah. conceived almost. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. and that's just, that's always a cool legacy. Okay, so you get here to Goshen, and uh, and you're getting your degree. And, uh, and, then, and then what happens? Well, I, I, I met a group of people that were, uh, were singing freedom songs. This was the 60s, mm -hmm. civil rights. Mm -hmm. Detroit is burning. <laughs> and wow. uh, the, the, the country is in an uproar. Nobody likes what's going on. Vietnam War is going on. Yeah. People are protesting everywhere. Yeah. And uh, the streets were filled with drugs and gangs. And in the midst of all that, I, uh, I met a group of people at Goshen College, went to church with some of them to see what's going on. And one of them happened to be Ruth Ann Nassiger. Mm, okay. And she invited me to her house for Thanksgiving, along with a number of other college students. Sure. So we went there, it was nice. Um, and my wife and I uh, struck up a relationship there at their house. That's awesome. Uh, her mother approved of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I've and met her mother. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I think I want her mother over before I want Ruth Ann over. Oh, good. <laughs> Sometimes that works out to your advantage. Well, you got to work all the angles. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> anyway, so uh, we got married, and uh, at the at the end of the school year, in the summer, we got married, and and then to continue my work and teaching and schooling and all that, I needed money, so I went back to Canada, taught school one more year, and then came back to Goshen College with a view in mind of, of both finishing our, our college and then we would see what God had. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was at that point in time that everything changed. Right. Ready for this one? I'm ready for it, yeah, <laughs> I wanna hear. Okay, so we're at Goshen College, we're married, we live about half a block away from the cafeteria at Goshen College, Okay. and great place to host whoever from the students sure. would hang out. And uh, uh, on the 18th of December, 1966, uh, another one of my friends from Canada, not from my, my area of, of Canada, was a student at Goshen College as well, Henry Brown and I uh, met together at 10 o'clock in the evening in the lamppost corner of college and 8th Street, and we talked, mm -hmm. and we said this, we're Christians, we feel committed to serving God, missions is our passion. Henry had already spent a year or two with some kind of a social organization through the Mennonites, mm -hmm. and his comment was, my life is not like the book of Acts. Sure. The Christianity that I read in the Bible, that's not my experience. Right. Something's missing. Right. What, what are we missing? Right. We know Jesus died on the cross. We know that heaven is our destiny. But it's not working out the way the scriptures talk about it. Right. And so that night we decided Christmas is on the scene. After Christmas, let's start a group. 
at our house, which is close to the school, and invite a few friends with this purpose in mind. Let's just seek God, have a study of the scriptures, talk. We met for about a month, month and a half, argued over various things, got nowhere. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but God heard our heart. Yeah. And my wife had a camp counselor, uh, lived in Valparaiso, and uh, she had told Ruth Ann when Ruth Ann was a teenager at, at Camp Amigo at camp, something about speaking in tongues and said, I think someday you'll speak in tongues. Mm. My wife thought that was really odd, but whatever, because she thought very highly about this, sure. this counselor. Sure. And so she called and said, February 22nd, my son's having a birthday. Could I come over to Goshen and have a party for my son at your house? And we thought, hey, great. He was also a student at the college. We knew him. Uh, but then we said, oh, that happens to be a Thursday night. I think that was how it worked. We said, we're having our, our weekly Bible study at our house at that right. time. To which she said, oh, that's no problem. I'll just come and join your Bible study. Okay, innocent enough. Sure. She came. And uh, as the meeting went on, we began to talk, and she began to tell stories about how God was leading in specific ways and how she contacted people and they ended up getting saved, going to a bookstore, going shopping. She'd meet people. And, and we were stunned. I mean, honestly, yeah. we were stunned. Like, whoa. In fact, I remember asking her, do you know anybody else that lives like this? Right, right, right. <laughs> and she said, hey, we got a nice church full of people that, that have this. And I said, well, that's really good. But she didn't tell us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sure. She just gave stories and, and just whetted our appetites. Yeah. It was, it was tremendous. Yeah. So she went back home and told her friends. So I think two weeks later, several of them came to our house that evening. And they just spilled the beans. They just <laughs> got the scriptures out and laid it out. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it's all about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's absolutely transformational. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, gifts of the Spirit, all of a sudden realizing that God is alive today right. doing amazing things. Uh, honestly, Jeremy, I did not grow up doubting God, mm -hmm. and I didn't grow up doubting the Bible miracles, and I knew that God could do anything. Right. It's just that I didn't know anybody that had seen him do it nowadays. Like, right. It'd be nice, but right. I don't know anybody like that. Right. And so to actually have people talking, and you know what? You don't need a very big miracle. Mm -mm. You literally just <laughs> need something that just, you say, oh, no, without... God's intervention, that just wouldn't have happened. Right, right. And so her little stories weren't necessarily huge, profound ones, but it was like God's alive in her life. Right. It, it shifts it from this is a God I know about to this is actually a relationship. Like it right. deepens it, and you're like, oh, wait a second. He not only sees the big things we talk about in, in the Bible, but he, like, he knows me. Right. You know, and that could only happen for me in that moment, you know, and that's, that's such a powerful thing. So, so there, we, there we began with that particular session, and our friends from Valparaiso, who became really good friends, yeah. the, we connect, continue to connect closely with them over the years, and they're just very precious to us. But um, from that meeting on, uh, people began to come to our house right. every day. Right. Wow. Just wanting to seek, okay, what, what's this all about? So what we did is we did like the Bereans. We sought the scriptures to see if that's really so. Right. And we began to study, and we got some books that were given to us about the work of the Holy Spirit, and we, we began to realize this is real. This is actually in the Bible, and it's not that much of a hidden detail. Right. And, and so it came from seeking 
the scriptures, searching the scriptures, to actually seeking the experience. Right. So by about mm, middle of April, um, it was Easter season, I think it was. My family lived in Canada. I remember driving to Winnipeg, having heard about the baptism of the Spirit and feeling that when it happens, you'll probably speak in tongues, and mm -hmm. I was ready. And I was asking God, and it's not totally true, but it's almost true that I drove to Winnipeg with my mouth open, thinking, okay, anytime, God, I'm ready. Wow. <laughs> That's a thousand miles. Oh, yeah. That's a drive. <laughs> anyway, I drove there and drove back, and, and nothing had happened. And honestly, I treasure those few months of seeking right. the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it allowed me to get honest with myself and say, God, is there anything going on in my life that is hindering? Mm -hmm. If there is, let's get rid of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine a work of sanctification more pressing, more accurate than what was going on in that time. Because yeah. honestly, uh, it was like, okay, if this is from God and I really need it, I really want it. So whatever is in the way, it's obviously not God's problem. It's me. So God, let's deal with me. Sure. And um, it was very, very special to me. Yeah. In the month of May, we had two things that happened. We met a man named Gerald Durstein, who came to our house and told us about his encounter with the Holy Spirit amongst the Mennonites. And it was an amazing, profound story. But he also introduced us to a group of people in Napanee that were involved in the full gospel business fellowship meetings. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. For those who remember that one, oh, yeah. the full gospel meetings were, were amazing because uh, they brought people from every background. I mean, whether it's Mennonite, Amish, whether it's Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutherans, they came together um, in a fashion that gave me a vision of the body of Christ that's just way bigger than what I was accustomed to. Sure. And it enlarged my heart. Now, I'm not saying that I've got the fullest understanding of that, but it was an, a great, great enlargement to me. Anyway, the first, the first full gospel meeting that I attended was on the uh, 19th of May, and somewhere close to midnight, I got baptized in the Spirit, spoken tongues. Amazing. Uh, the president of the club, uh, or that's, I guess that's what they call it, um, Bill Stutzman, had invited us with all the college students for one dollar, a full meal, and enjoy the evening. So we brought, <laughs> we brought a lot of them. <laughs> and, and not only that, they brought excitement. I mean, it really, yeah. it really perked everybody up. Yeah. But um, anyway, after the meeting was over, all the the students from the college that had gone with us all came to our house. And so around three o'clock in the morning, we we. Uh, finished our, our rally. <laughs> we had some interesting prophetic words that came out that evening and, and a number of things. One was not prophetic, one was just the noise that caused the, our landlord to say, you know what, you should do this somewhere else. <laughs> and, and so yeah. God used that to move us on. <laughs> Very good. You know, I think I, I'm going to, we'll, we'll move, keep going down the story here for just a second, but I, I just want to interject something here. You know, um, you know, there might be people listening to the podcast that um, are either unfamiliar or maybe even uh, 
apprehensive or worried or scared about a lot that's gone on in the charismatic mm -hmm. movement over the last 50, yep. 60 years. Right. <clears throat> and I think, I think what's so important about how you just described your walk is it's really hard to create a man-made experience out of that. You know, you, you, if it had been man-made, you could have just made something up driving to Winnipeg, right? right? And then the other thing I think that's really important to recognize is every time in the history of the world, when, when the Holy Spirit has moved in the genuine pouring out way, what has happened is, is not only do you see these little revivals breaking out, but uh, this is this is why we call it live recording. We get a phone call right in the middle of it. There you go. <laughs> right. But um, but not only that, but it also brings generations and business you know people together across the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so this was this was a g genuine move of God mm -hmm. that was that's different than unfortunately some of the manufactured stuff that might have taken place right. after the fact. Yeah. And um, and so and so that's what's so awesome about hearing hearing that story. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right, Jeremy. You, you can't make this up. Right, right. <laughs> it, was, it was so amazing. But you know what? Let me, let me jump quickly into something that to me was very significant, okay? Sure. I'll jump ahead and say the meetings at our house grew. Hundreds of people got filled with the Spirit in the next four years. They came to our house almost every day. Yeah. We had meetings going on. We'd scheduled one meeting a week on Thursday, but people came many, and many, many nights people got saved. Many people got, people got filled with the Spirit. And lots of people got baptized in the Spirit and spoke in tongues. And then there were those who were the naysayers. They said, well, you, not everybody speaks in tongues. Okay. Uh, and, and why do you insist on it? And, and so on. And, and, uh, uh, and so I came to a spot where I said, God, uh, I'm being used. And I hadn't expected this. I, mean, right. I was just doing what I thought was the right thing to do. But I'm influential teaching on the baptism of the Spirit been asked to do it at different conferences and, and lots of things. And I said, Lord, I've heard that there are places where people spoke in tongues and somebody in the audience heard them in their language, just like in the book of Acts chapter, mm -hmm. chapter mm -hmm. 2. Uh, I said, you know, it doesn't happen often in the Bible. In fact, it's the only instance in the Bible that I know of where mm -hmm. they understood them speaking in tongues. But I said it happened. Then I've heard testimonials of people that spoke in the language, and somebody in the audience heard it in their language, could vent, vindicate, verify, right. this is really a language in the Right, you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I said, God, I would, I would really, really appreciate if you would do it in our area, because there's lots of people that are asking questions, yeah. honest questions. I, I would like that very much. And, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it with some level of intensity for a period of time, but I didn't really know how God was going to do it. Right. We had a group from our church that went on a missions trip to Mexico, and while they were there, some of the folks in Mexico got baptized in spirit, spoke in English, <laughs> and our group heard it, and I thought, whoa, That's this amazing. is profound. That's amazing. That's interesting. I, when I was in Virginia Beach, just in my prior experience now in the last uh, 10 years, uh, our, my, my missions helper on staff was on a trip to India, and they were, they were speaking at a school in India, and a bunch of people got filled with the Spirit. Amazing things happened. There, they spoke in tongues in English, and our, our friends actually heard what it was. Right, told right. Us about it. Uh, that, that, to me, that's, that's amazing. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but personally, I, I had an encounter with a man who was not one of my big supporters. His wife was a real avid supporter. As he was reluctant. Sure. But he came to me for for prayer and counsel, which probably took a bit of guts for him to do because he really didn't 
wasn't really all that much in favor of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. He shared his situation with me. I was in, his, in, in our building. Nobody else was around. And he wanted prayer. So I prayed for him. And as I often do, when I don't really know all the answers, I pray in tongues. Then I pray in English. And whatever. When I got done, he said, thank you. I know God heard that. I said, yeah, I, I really believe God heard that. He says, no, God heard that. I said, what do you mean? He said, I know you don't speak Russian, and you just prayed in Russian. <laughs> <laughs> and he had grown up in East Germany where he had been forced Russian. to learn Russian. Yeah. And <laughs> I was just stunned. I, thought, I mean, I just wasn't expecting it. Right. I just prayed in the spirit, and then I prayed in English, and, and that prayer, and I didn't ask him, well, what, what all was it? But, right. but he, but he was knew persuaded yes. this was God. That's amazing. That's <laughs> Well, I hope you really enjoyed that as our story began. Uh, pre, this is all pre, actually, the founding, the official founding of the church and the powerful move of God that was going on at that time. And this was, just to let you know, this was not just in Goshen. This was a, this was a nationwide, in some cases, worldwide move, revival uh, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to hear more about that uh, as, we, um, as, as our interview continues. So let me just pray. Uh, for us, and then we will wrap it up today. So, Lord God, we just thank you so much that you did have, uh, Lord, what was going on here in Goshen and Harvest and Mine when you started this move in, in Vic's heart. And Lord, we eagerly anticipate more, Lord God, that the, this would be there would be another move of your Spirit, another more ways that we can, as a people, reach people and build lives <clears throat> as part of your calling on on this particular people of your church. And so, we thank you for that. In your name, we pray. Amen. Well, hey, thank you again for listening to Harvest Talk. And as always, I want to encourage you to keep reaching people and building their lives. We'll be in touch next week. Take care.